Lent. Uh, so we've been doing this series through Ecclesiastes, uh, this ancient wisdom book written 2,500 years ago, uh, and I just think it connects so well with Lent. Uh, and I was thinking of continuing through Ecclesiastes through Lent, but as I continued to read through Ecclesiastes over and over again, I was like, yeah, he repeats himself a lot. Everything's meaningless. Okay, we got it. Uh, and so while I may connect Ecclesiastes to Lent, uh, and I will this morning too, um, I want to do something different for Lent. And I want to, because we're not doing an Ash Wednesday service, I want to talk a little bit about Lent and this, this beautiful season that we're invited into to reflect, uh, to be more introspective, uh, to be more contemplative, uh, to recognize things in our life that need to be subtracted. Um, that there are, if I can have the next slide, this idea that we all, uh, oh, this verse, my strike card says, the spiritual life has much more to do with subtraction than addition. Uh, we live in a culture that uh, wants to accumulate more. We want more time. We want more stuff. We want more money. We want to do more things. We're go, 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 active, active, active. And, and a, a lot of times what can happen then in the Christian life is we carry that over into our spiritual journey, like do more studies, read more Christian books, do this, that, uh, you know, do more activities, uh, Christian activity, what, whatever. And uh, Meister Eckhart is saying, actually, the spiritual journey is more about subtraction than it is addition. It's more about having healthy boundaries and, and not adding so much to your life so that you can be present to God and that presence of God to you and you to God will overflow into your presence to others. Uh, and so one of the, one of the invitations for Lent is what do you need to subtract? What do you need to let go of? You, uh, people, you hear people give things up for Lent. Uh, what are you giving up for Lent? Uh, this is not necessary. It's not something you have to do for Lent, but I personally think it can be very helpful. This idea that we have broken desires and we're invited to reorient our desires toward God. All desires come from this rooted in a good place, rooted in God, but they can often be bent and broken. So the season of Lent is, is, is a season that allows us to enter more deeply and ask God, what, what are the desires within me that are broken, that I need to reorient toward you? Uh, and often in life, we recognize that there are distractions. We are a distracted people. What, so another way of asking it is, what is distracting you from experiencing deeper communion with God? And perhaps God is inviting you to release that, to let that go, at least for a season, to fill in the blank. Uh, what is it that distracts you from deeper communion with God? Uh, Jesus tells us this, uh, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. Lent's a season to remind us of the rhythms of life, that in order for new life to come, there must be a death. That, that we must experience death in order to experience new life. And, and Lent's a season to dig into that more deeply. What in me needs to die so that new life can emerge and come forward? 
Next slide. Here's a quote from a guy named Chuck DeGroat. We must come to grips with this hard truth. In the first half of life, we thought we were deep and wise. In the second half of life, we come to accept we are moody and judgmental. <laughs> so that connects with some personalities more than others. But So you could change moody and judgmental to something else for you. But there, there, is, this, uh, there is this journey in life where we can often think we are profound and deep and wise. And many of you are. Uh, but we also come to accept our brokenness, don't we? And part of that brokenness is that we come to accept we can be moody and judgmental people. So just as an idea, maybe it's, uh, what would it look like to give up judgment for Lent? That every time a judging thought comes, or every time a judging word is spoken, uh, you ask God to remind you to let that go, to reorient that towards God, to, to hold that person before God in love and in prayer and in forgiveness. Uh, that could change things. That could change us. That could change the world if we released judgment and held that person before God. So, next slide. This uh, idea of Lent and what happens on Ash Wednesday is you get ashes put on your forehead and you're told, remember, from dust you came and to dust you will return. This is rooted in the biblical tradition. And in next slide, Genesis 3, it says, dust you are and to dust you will return. And in the next slide, I am nothing but dust and ashes, Abraham says this to God. And then the psalmist says in Psalm 103, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Uh, so this is rooted in this ancient Hebraic tradition that we are but dust. We are created from the dust of the ground. Now note, the author of uh, Ecclesiastes, he also says, all come from dust and to dust all return. But in the very same chapter, he says, he has also said eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom from what, can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So in the same chapter that the teacher is telling us, we are dust and to dust we will return, but we are enlivened dust. Uh, I, I like to say we're dust, but we're divine dust. We're not just ordinary dust. We are enlivened dust. We are dust that carries eternity in our hearts. We are dust that carries the divine imprint. Uh, in, in the very beginning of the story, we are told that it is from, in the Hebrew, it is from the Adama that God created Adam. It's a play on words. Uh, Adam's name literally means dirt. From the Adama, from the ground, from the dirt, from the dust, the Adam was created. But it didn't stop there because then we are told, and God breathed the breath of life into the Adam. And he became a living being. Uh, breath in Hebrew, ruach, also means spirit. The breath of life, the spirit of God flowing in and flowing out of this dust bag. Come on! Come on, isn't that beautiful? 
enlivened dust, divine dust, the very spirit of God flowing through our bodies. Uh, and so we are dust, but we are not ordinary dust. We are divine dust. Now, today is what's called Transfiguration Sunday. And it has its roots in, in this idea of Moses going up on the mountain and receiving the teachings from God, receiving commands from God. And when he's on the mountain meeting with God and then he comes down to talk to the people, what he doesn't know, because he wasn't carrying around a mirror, what he doesn't know is that his face was radiating. And when he came down, the people were a little freaked out that Moses' face was glowing. Uh, and so he would wear a veil over his face when he was with the people, and when he would go meet with God, he would take the veil off. And then when he'd go back to the people, he'd put the veil back on. And then in, in the time of Jesus, Jesus, like Moses, goes up on a mountain, and he takes Peter, James, and John with him, and, and we're told this when he's up on the mountain. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. And so Jesus' face, too, changed like Moses' face changed. And, and in the Hebrew tradition, any time the word face is mentioned, it's always relational. When we encounter the face of another, it is relational. And what we're learning from this is that there was a deep connection for Moses to God, a deep connection between Jesus and his Father. And it changed their faces. It, it literally changed them. And then we fast forward to Paul, and Paul says this, now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Uh, so Paul says it, it's time to take the veil away whatever the veil is. And he, he's using veil as a metaphor now that uh, he's talking about how when the old covenant is read, the, the veil remained. He said something new is bursting in. There, there is a new way of being. Uh, Jesus has come to invite us into something completely new and different. What is the veil that needs to be removed? Uh, what is the veil for you? What prevents you from experiencing deeper transformation? What is the veil that needs to be taken away? Uh, this is the invitation for all of life, but in the season of Lent that we are entering into, uh, it's an opportunity to reflect on it more deeply as a community. Uh, wh what is the veil that needs to be taken away? Some people refer to it as the false self. What is the false self that needs to die in order for the true self to emerge more fully and live into that? Uh, what distractions or what broken desires are keeping you from experiencing deeper transformation in Christ. So historically, uh, during this season, some people talk about uh, self-denial or dying to the self, dying to the false self, dying to the ego. Uh, 
And we reflect on this in our union with Christ, that as Christ died, we too are called to die in order to experience new life, for the new life to emerge. And so this morning, as we take communion, as we take this bread and dip it in the cup, I, I have a cup here with nails in it. And if you'd like, I'd simply invite you to take one nail and carry it around with you through Lent. Uh, we did this a few years ago, and uh, maybe you still have yours from then. Uh, but I invite you to carry this around with you through Lent as a reminder of the invitation to die to the false self, to die to the ego, to die to that which is not of God in order to live into that which Jesus is inviting you to live into. Uh, uh, a reminder to reorient the broken desires toward God, the desires rooted and grounded in God. Uh, Paul, again, talks about it this way. He says, For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He's talking about this invitation to a Christ consciousness, this invitation to recognize eternity in our hearts, this invitation to wake up to Christ in us, the hope of glory. Back, back one slide, please. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, and then the brilliant Eugene Peterson frames this same text this way. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. Anyone else? Didn't work. Uh, so I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. Hmm. Can we say that together? My ego is no longer central. Uh, next slide. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion, and I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going to go back on that. Just love Eugene Peterson. Um, perhaps uh, reflecting, choosing during Lent uh, to reflect on a text like this on a regular basis uh, will help us remember uh, that our egos are not central. Carrying around a nail help us remember uh, that which God is inviting us to put to death so that we can experience new life. This morning, as you come and take the bread and dip it in the cup, uh, I simply again want to invite you, next slide, to reflect on this. What is preventing you from experiencing deeper transformation? What's the thing? What's the veil? What's the distraction? What's the addiction? What's the broken desire? What What is the thing 
keeping you from experiencing deeper transformation. Uh, simply ask that question to God. Ask God to reveal that to you and know that God's loving invitation is always for you to experience this beautiful union with Christ and live from that eternity in your heart. Live from that beautiful, true place that has been implanted within you from the beginning. It was on the night Jesus was betrayed that he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup, said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Take it and drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. God, we pray this morning that you would wake us up to your very presence within us. Reveal to us the distractions, the broken desires that need to be reoriented toward you. God, reveal to us uh, the things that are getting in the way of experiencing more of you and deeper transformation, the, the, the journey of ever-increasing glory that you invite us into. Show us what you might have us give up for a season and replace with deeper reflection on you. God, as we take the bread and dip it in the cup, wake us up to your love. In the name of Jesus, amen.